Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our daily reading conference call on A Course in Miracles, Original Edition. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles, Original Edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, jcim.net, where if you mouse over the link at top for original edition, you will see the link to read ACIMOE. On that same drop-down menu, there is a link to subscribe to an excellent daily email sent to you by the Course in Miracles Society which contains both the workbook lesson and the text reading for the day. My name is Lemoyne Castle, and this call happens for and with you every weekday morning, Monday through Friday, from about from 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Today we're continuing our reading in the manual with the Manual for Teachers, Section 10 and 11. Section 10, How is Judgment Relinquished? And Section 11, How is Peace Possible in This World? And at the top of the hour, we'll pause for remembrance of our lesson for the day, led by the Ambassador Fran. Today's lesson, Lesson 348, I have no cause for anger or for fear, for you surround me. And in every need that I perceive, your grace suffices me. God's grace suffices us in everything we would have to do. And uh, with that, uh, let me ask you, Laurie, do you have an opening for us this morning? I do, mine, and it's one I really love. It's a poem from Hafiz called Keeping Watch. And it goes like this. In the morning when I began to awake, it happened again. That feeling that you, beloved, had stood over me all night keeping watch. That feeling that as soon as I began to stir, you put your lips on my forehead and lit a holy lamp inside my heart. Amen. Oh, I love it. Thank you. Mm, thank you, Mark. Yeah. Great. Thank you, guys. All right, uh, here's the list of uh, our participants this morning. I have uh, with us in reading, I have Lori, Fran, Donna, Lana, Jessica, Micah, and Robin Marie. And with us in listening, I have Ida, Roz, Judy, and Harris. Correction. <laughs> to the list or anyone who's joined us who would like to say good morning and either listen or join the reading. Morning, Lemoyne. Uh, Charles is here just to drop in to listen. Morning, Charles. Welcome. Morning. 
Thank you. Thank you. All right. Let's see with that. Go ahead and get us started with Section 10 of the Manual for Teachers. How is judgment relinquished? Judgment, like other devices by which the world of illusions is maintained, is totally misunderstood by the world. It is actually confused with wisdom and substitutes for truth. As the world uses the term, an individual is capable of, quote, good and, quote, bad judgment, and his education aims at strengthening the former and minimizing the latter. There is, however, considerable confusion about what these categories mean. What is, quote, good judgment, unquote, to one is, quote, bad judgment, unquote, to another. Further, even the same person classifies the same action as showing good judgment at one time and bad judgment at another time. Nor can any consistent criteria for determining what these categories are be really taught. At any time, the student may disagree with what his would-be teacher says about them, and the teacher himself is inconsistent in what he believes. Lori. Uh, Section 10, how is judgment relinquished? Judgment, like other devices by which the world of illusions is maintained, is totally misunderstood by the world. It is actually confused with wisdom and substitutes for truth. As the world uses the term, an individual is capable of so-called good and so-called bad judgment, and his education aims at strengthening the former and minimizing the latter. There is, however, considerable confusion about what these categories mean. What is so-called good judgment to one is so-called bad judgment to another. Further, even the same person classifies the same action as showing good judgment at one time and bad judgment at another time. Nor can any consistent criteria for determining what these categories are be really taught. At any time, the student may disagree with what his would-be teacher says about them, and the teacher himself is inconsistent, inconsistent in what he believes. Quote-unquote, good judgment in these terms does not mean anything. No more does bad. It is necessary for the teacher of God to realize not that he should not judge, but that he cannot. In giving up judgment, he merely gives up what he did not have. He gives up an illusion. Or better, he has an illusion of giving up. He has actually merely become more honest, recognizing that judgment was always impossible for him. He no longer attempts it. This is no sacrifice. On the contrary, he puts himself in a position where judgment through him, rather than by him, can occur. And this judgment is neither good nor bad. It is the only judgment there is. 
and it is only one. But God's Son is guiltless, and sin does not exist. End quote. Thank you, Lori. And Fran? Two, quote, unquote, good judgment in these terms does not mean anything. No more does, quote, bad. It is necessary for the teacher of God to realize not that he should not judge, but that he cannot. In giving up judgment, he merely gives up what he did not have. He gives up an illusion, or better, he has an illusion of giving up. He has actually merely become more honest. Recognizing that judgment was always impossible for him, he no longer attempts it. There is no sacrifice. On the contrary, he puts himself in a position where judgment through him rather than by him can occur. And judgment is neither, quote, good nor, quote, bad. It is the only judgment there is. And it is only one, quote, God's son is guiltless and sin does not exist, unquote. Three. The aim of our curriculum, unlike the goal of the world's learning, is the recognition that judgment is the usual sense in the usual sense is impossible. This is not an opinion, but a fact. In order to judge anything rightly, one would have to be fully aware of an inconceivably wide range of things, past, present, and to come. One would have to recognize in advance all the effects of his judgments on everyone and everything involved in them in any way. And one would have to be certain there is no distortion in his perception so that his judgment would be wholly fair to everyone on whom it rests, now and in the future. Who is in a position to do this? Who, except in grandiose fantasies, would claim this for himself? Thank you, Brad. And Donna? Three. The aim of our curriculum, unlike the goal of the world's learning, is to recognize that judgment is the, in the usual sense is impossible. This is not an opinion, but a fact. In order to judge anything rightly, one would have to be fully aware of an inconceivable wide range of things, past, present, and to come. One would have to recognize in advance all the effects of his judgments on everyone and everything involved in them in any way. And one would have to be certain there is no distortion in his perception so that his judgment would be wholly fair to everyone on whom it rests now and in the future. Who is in a position to do this? Who, except in grandiose fantasies, would claim them for himself. For, remember how many times you thought you knew all the facts you needed for judgment and how wrong you were? Is there anyone who has not had this experience? Would you know how many times you merely thought you were right without ever realizing you were wrong? Why would you choose such an arbitrary basis for decision-making? Wisdom is not judgment. 
It is relinquishment of judgment. Make then but one more judgment. It is this. There is someone with you whose judgment is perfect. He does know all the facts, past and present and to come. He does know all the effects of his judgment on everyone and everything involved in any way. And he is wholly fair to everyone, for there is no distortion in his perception. Thank you, Donna. And Lana. Day four. Remember how many times you thought you knew of all the, in quotes, facts you needed for judgment and how wrong you were? Is there anyone who has not had this experience? Would you know how many times you merely thought you were right without ever realizing you were wrong? Why would you choose such an arbitrary basis for decision-making? Wisdom is not judgment. It is the relinquishment of judgment. Make then but one more judgment. It is this. There is someone with you whose judgment is perfect. He does know all the facts past, present, and to come. He does know all the effects of his judgment on everyone and everything involved in any way. And he is wholly fair to everyone where there is no distortion in his perception. Five, therefore, lay judgment down, not with regret, but with a sigh of gratitude. Now are you free of a burden so great that you could merely stagger and fall down beneath it. And it was all illusion, nothing more. Now can the teacher of God rise up unburdened and walk lightly on. Yet it is not only this that is his benefit. His sense of care is gone, for he has none. He has given it away, along with judgment. He gave himself to him whose judgment he has chosen now to trust instead of his own. Now he makes no mistakes. Choose, I'm sorry. Now he makes no mistakes. Here is his guide is sure. And where he came to judge, he comes to bless. Where now he laughs, he laughs, he used to come to weep. Thank you, Lana. And Jessica. Thank you. Okay, let's see now. Um, Paragraph five. Therefore, lay judgment down, not with regret, but with a sigh of gratitude. Now are you free of a burden so great that you could merely stagger and fall down beneath it. And it was all illusion, nothing more. Now can the teacher of God rise up unburdened and walk lightly on. 
Yet it is not only this that is his benefit. His sense of care is gone, for he has none. He has given it away along with judgment. He gave himself to him whose judgment he has chosen now to trust instead of his own. Now he makes no mistakes. His guide is sure. And where he came to judge, he comes to bless. Where now he laughs, he used to come to weep. Six, it is not difficult to relinquish judgment, but it is difficult indeed to try to keep it. The teacher of God lays it down happily the instant he recognizes its cost. All of the ugliness he sees about him is its outcome. All of the pain he looks upon is its result. All of the loneliness and sense of loss, passing time and growing hopelessness, of sickening despair and fear of death, all these have come of it. And now he knows that these things need not be. Not one is true. For he has given up their cause, and they, which never were but the effects of his mistaken choice, have fallen from him. Teacher of God, this step will bring you peace. Can it be difficult to want but this? Thank you, Jessica. And Micah, would you... Uh, read the last paragraph here. Okay. Give us a tiny pause and then pick up with the next section. Um, Okay, I'm not sure what you mean by... I'll just pause. You tell me when to start reading again. I thought thought maybe we were talking like yesterday. uh, Anyway, you Um, you decide what you... Well, the next section, I believe it, if I'm not correct, if I'm not in error... Yeah, it's a little under the spot, but no, I, I'd like to read them both because uh, oh, okay. it turns right back to judgment and, you know, and relates to how it brings this relinquishment brings peace. So let's just roll, okay. roll into the next section. Okay, six. <clears throat> it is not difficult to relinquish judgment, but it is difficult indeed to try to keep it. The teacher of God lays it down happily the instant he recognizes its cost. All of the ugliness he sees about him is its own out. uh, All the ugliness he sees about him is its outcome. All of the pain he looks upon is its result. All the loneliness and sense of loss, of passing time and growing hopelessness of sickening despair and fear of death. All these have come of it. And now he knows that these things need not be. Not one is true. For he has given up their cause, and they which never were the effects of his mistaken choice have fallen from him. Teacher of God, this step will bring you peace. Can it be difficult 
to want but this. Eleven. How is peace possible in this world? This is a question everyone must ask. Certainly peace seems to be impossible. Yet the word of God promises other things that seem impossible as well as this. His word has promised peace. It has also promised that there is no death that resurrection must occur, and that rebirth is man's inheritance. The world you see cannot be the world God loves, and yet his word assures us that he loves the world. God's word has promised us that peace is possible here, and what he promises can hardly be impossible. But it is true that the world must be looked at differently if his promises are to be accepted. What the world is, is but a fact. You cannot cannot choose what this should be, but you can choose how you would see it. Indeed, you must choose this. Thank you, Micah. And Robin Marie. Uh, Manual for Teachers 11. How is peace possible in this world? This is a question everyone must ask. Certainly, peace seems to be impossible. Yet the Word of God promises other things that seem impossible as well as this. His word has promised peace. It has also promised that there is no death, that resurrection must occur, and that rebirth is man's inheritance. The world you see cannot be the world God loves, and yet his word assures us that he loves the world. God's word has promised us that peace is possible here, And what he promises can hardly be impossible. But it is true that the world must be looked at differently if his promises are to be accepted. What the world is, is but a fact. You cannot choose what this should be, but you can choose how you would see it. Indeed, you must choose this, too. Again, we come to the question of judgment. This time, ask yourself, whether your judgment or the word of God is more likely to be true, for they say different things about the world and things so opposite that it is pointless to try to reconcile them. God offers the world salvation. Your judgment would condemn it. God says there is no death. Your judgment sees, but death is the inevitable end of life. God's word assures you that he loves the world, your judgment says it is unlovable. Who is right? For one of you is wrong. It must be so. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you, Robin Murray. And I forgot to say that was perfect, Mike. Um, is there a new reader for two and three? Yes, 
Lemoyne, it's Jude. I can, I can read. All right. Cool. Thank you, Judy. Thank you. Again, we come to the question of judgment. This time, ask yourself whether your judgment or the word of God is more likely to be true. For they say different things about the world and things so opposite that it is pointless to try to reconcile them. God offers the world salvation. Your judgment would condemn it. God says there is no death, but your judgment sees but death as the inevitable end of life. God's word assures you that he loves the world. Your judgment says it is unlovable. Who is right? For one of you is wrong. It must be so. The text explains that the Holy Spirit is the answer to all problems you have made. These problems are not real, but that is meaningless to those who believe in them. And everyone believes in what he made, for it was made by his believing it. Into this strange and paradoxical situation, one without meaning and devoid of sense, yet out of which no way seems possible, God has sent his judgment to answer yours. Gently, his judgment substitutes for yours. And through this substitution is the un-understandable made understandable. How is peace possible in this world? In your judgment, it is not possible and can never be possible. But in the judgment of God, what is reflected here is only peace. Huh. Amen. Yeah. Thank you, Judy. <clears throat> and is there another new reader for three and four? This is Sandra. I can oh, read. sure. <laughs> okay. Let's go with, uh, with uh, Sandra first. Three and four. Okay. Three. The text explains that the Holy Spirit is the answer to all problems you have made. These problems are not real, but that, <clears throat> but the, sorry, but that is meaningless to those who believe in them. And everyone believes in what he made, for it was made by his believing it. Into this strange and paradoxical situation, one without meaning and devoid of sense, yet out of which no way seems possible, God has sent his judgment to answer yours gently. His judgment substitutes for yours, and through this substitution is the ununderstandable made understandable. How is peace possible in this world? 
in your judgment, it is not possible and can never be possible. But in the judgment of God, what is reflected here is only peace. Four, peace is impossible to those who look on war. Peace is inevitable to those who offer peace. How easily, then, is your judgment of the world escaped? It is not the world that made peace. It is not the world that made peace seem impossible. It is the world you see that is impossible. Yet has God's judgment on this distorted world redeemed it and made it fit to welcome peace? And peace descends on it in joyous answer. Peace now belongs here because a thought of God has entered. What else but a thought of God turns hell to heaven merely by being what it is. The earth bows down before its gracious presence and it leans down in answer to raise it up again. Now is the question different. It is no longer can peace be possible in this world. But instead, is it not impossible that peace be absent here? Uh, thank you, Sandra. And Charles, would you conclude with more? Thank you. Okay. 10 for, 11-4, I should say. Peace is impossible to those who look on war. Peace is inevitable to those who offer peace. How easily, then, is your judgment of the world escaped? It is not the world that makes peace seem impossible. It is not the world that makes peace seem impossible. It is the world you see that is impossible. Yet has God's judgment on this distorted world redeemed it, and made it fit to welcome peace. And peace descends on it in joyous answer. Peace now belongs here, because a thought of God has entered. What else but a thought of God turns hell into heaven, merely by being what it is. The earth bows down before his gracious presence, its gracious presence, and it leans down in answer to raise it up again. Now is the question different. It is no longer, quote, can beast be possible in this world? But instead, is it not impossible that peace be absent here? Amen. Thank you, Charles. And, uh, yeah, um, that these last three paragraphs are, are a good summary. I think the whole thing, the whole thing, but also it's reading for today. And, uh, so I'll just go ahead and let's open the floor. We got to have a few minutes before the top of the hour. And Lorenzo. Uh,
Well, this is Jessica, and I, I'm just blown away by these uh, sections every time I read them. Um, they're just so incredibly clear and so incredibly convincing and so beautiful. Um, and it's, it's, again, it's that gift. You know, the, in, in the second part uh, where he's talking about uh, in the last paragraph, uh, let's see, um, about the earth bows down before its gracious presence and it, le- and it leans down to, in answer to raise it up again. I feel like the whole section is like that, you know. He's putting forward these questions and then answering them uh, in the most clear and simple way that is just so obviously true when you when you uh, open your mind to listen to it um the part that is that is the most sort of twistaroo about this whole um section these two sections is is the last part because you know he's laying out this whole thing about judgment and laying out the whole thing about peace and Obviously, we don't see peace. I don't see peace most of the time or a lot of the time. But when he says, now is the question different, it is no longer can peace be possible in this world, but instead, is it not impossible that peace be absent here? And that question brings into my, you know, into my being that brings the, it just deposits the truth into my mind. And I suddenly do see that it's impossible that peace is absent here. And I start to feel the peace and know the peace and recognize that it's been there all along. It's never gone anywhere. It's just been covered over with all of this stuff that you all and we all are so familiar with. But the peace has never been removed or, or departed. And, um, but he prepares us for this. You know, he's slowly opening us to the truth of this during, uh, through this section and the previous one about judgment. So they fit together so beautifully. And, um, you know, once I've read the judgment section and realized that, you know, okay, let, let's, let's forget about this judgment thing. Then we go into the peace section. And if I go into it without judgment, then I'm open to the truth that, that it's impossible that peace be absent here. Thank you, guys. It's so moving and beautiful and complete. Oh, man. Yes, you yes. are. That was just beautiful, yes, Jessica. Oh, thank you, thank Jessica. You. Hi, it's Lana. I hey. I love these two sections too. Um, and I and I remember I don't know when, but I remember the first time I read those the words uh, "wisdom is not judgment; it is the relinquishment of judgment." <laughs> I mean, it was that just like it was like a bing opening of my mind. And and just the simple truth that even if I wanted to, I can't judge justly. You know, somewhere in the text, Jesus says, um, if you have to judge, then just judge everything as innocent. 
and there is that ego compulsion uh, to judge because of its dualistic nature. It always is making choices, and and it also has this just overwhelming need to be right. So um, we'll make that choice, and then we'll defend it all the time, <laughs> not knowing how to, you know, knowing that judgment is impossible, you know, so that's that's such a, a relief um, of me. You know, it's like now when I catch myself judging, it's like that song of Britney, um, Britney Spears, oops, I did it again, and I just go on and, and um, you know, correct my mind instead of correcting my brother. And um, in uh, the peace uh, is peace possible in this world? That section is, um, you know, really brought home to me that, um, you know, it's not the world. You know, there's always this debate, is the world real and the world, is the world not real? You know, it, it kind of just bypasses all that and just brings me back to, um, it doesn't matter what matters is how I see the world, what my perception is of the world, because that's the determining factor on whether it's going to be a peaceful experience or a conflicted one. Um, it's it's where I can, you know, uh, just love the world as God loves the world. Um, it's just a much more comfortable place to be. I don't have to understand the world to love it. I, I just have to love it. You know, it's like he says, first forgiveness, then understanding. You know, it's um, first I forgive the world. Then in that act, my awareness expands to be able to accept the understanding of it. But as long as my mind's conflicted, I'm not going to understand anything about anything. <laughs> It's just a simple truth. Um, So anyhow, both powerful directions, I find. Thank you. I'm complete. Thank you. Thanks, Lana. Really clear. Thank you. That's beautiful, Lana. Thank Mm. you. Thank you. This is Charles here, if I may. What I've always said to myself is, Uh, never make try to reason with the unreasonable and when I read these words and I listen to them being read and I feel the reason behind these words and how they strike a chord deep within me and I realize it's not my purview we might say to reason what peace would be but to ask for the experience of that and I hear so much in these words the same call for that same realization of that experience of the light of God's love that lights our hearts for each and every one of us and uh, it's not what I see but the way I see it or the what I use to see it with even better and so, to me, this paragraphs are just reminding me uh, that when I'm in a situation that seems unreasonable, I seek God's wisdom 
and seek God's love to shine my heart and uh, trust in that wisdom for whatever comes about or whatever understanding comes from that. So um, I'm learning more and more uh, instead of reacting uh, to go into silence and ask for that uh, experience. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, well, it is now a bit past the top of the hour. And uh, I uh, just don't know how to express the gratitude I have for you doing this every day, Fran. Would you lead us in the lesson now? Sure. Thank you. Hi, everybody. We are in the second part of the workbook, and the theme we're on is What is a Miracle? And today we're on Lesson 348. I have no cause for anger or for fear for you surround me. And in every need that I perceive, your grace suffices me. I'll read some from What is a Miracle? A miracle is a correction. It does not create nor really change at all. It merely looks on devastation and reminds the mind that what it sees is false. A miracle contains the gift of grace, for it is given and received as one. Unless it illustrates the law of truth the world does not obey because it fails entirely to understand its ways. A miracle inverts perception, which was upside down before, and thus it ends the strange distortions that were manifest. Now is perception open to the truth. Now is forgiveness seen as justified. The miracle is taken first on faith because to ask for it implies the mind has been made ready to conceive of what it cannot see and does not understand. Yet faith will bring its witnesses to show that what it rested on is really there. Miracles fall like drops of healing rain from heaven on a dry and dusty world. Starved and thirsty creatures come to die. Now they have water. Now the world is green. We'll go over to the lesson. Lesson 348. I have no cause for anger or for fear, for you surround me. And in every need that I perceive, your grace suffices me. Father, let me remember you are here and I am not alone. Surrounding me is everlasting love. I have no cause for anything except the perfect peace and joy I share with you. What need have I for anger or for fear? Surrounding me is perfect safety. Can I be afraid when your eternal promise goes with me? Surrounding me is perfect sinlessness. What can I fear 
when you created me in holiness as perfect as your own. God's grace suffices us in everything that he would have us do, and only that we choose to be our will, as well as his. We'll take a moment and reflect on this. Lesson 348. I have no cause for anger or for fear, for you surround me, and in every need that I perceive, your grace suffices me. Father, let me remember you are here, and I am not alone. Surrounding me is everlasting love. Lesson 348, I have no cause for anger or for fear, for you surround me, and in every need that I perceive, your grace suffices me. Amen. Amen. So beautiful, Amen. friend. Thank you. Thanks, Thank friend. you. Thank you, friend. Beautiful as always. Thank you, guys. Thank you, friend. Hi, this is Micah. The uh, part of what is a miracle that I I thought it tied in so well with what our text reading was, was in that first paragraph. A miracle merely looks on devastation and reminds the mind that what it sees is false. And um, at first, when when the section was being read, and Jessica, you shared about, um, especially highlighted that last sentence, and turn back to that. Let's see where it forward to that. And then, um, hold on, one more page. Um, you know, is it not impossible that peace be absent here? Um, and you, and I, it made, I forget your share exactly, but it triggered that feeling into that changeless dwelling place that surrounds us all the time, no matter what's going on. And it's so peaceful, that that uh, shared, that realm of the spacious self, or what Eckhart Tolle calls space consciousness, and our shared identity. And um, the Christ 
that's formless. And um, and then on the drama of the, the world, uh, you know, I saw, I saw that there were okay, these two different visions. And Jesus is saying that even in the realm of Maya, the, the, the stage of, of the world, where, where forms are dancing like a mirage in the desert and and that peace is possible even here, you know, and um, I, what came to my mind was a few years ago there was a, a young couple here on the coast and and a lady uh, fell in love with somebody else and um, one day the fellow, her ex I guess they were still married. I don't know. And um, anyway, he saw the, the girl and her boyfriend were parked on the side of the road, and he came up and killed her, you know, with a with a weapon. And um, it, you know, it, it shook up the community quite a bit um, because both, you know, the kids were all part of the the small neighborhood here, relatively small. And you know, just that scene came to my mind while we were reading this, you know, and how, um, let me go back here, and um, I, I started to see that I can't, I can't judge. This is where peace starts to become possible in, in the illusions of the world, that uh, I don't know how to judge what happened. Um, Hold on just a second. That that the Holy Spirit, it reminded me of this, and then I saw a connection with this experience that I've shared before about being at that restaurant and um, the, the track from The Course of Miracles was playing where the Holy Spirit sees but one purpose in the world. And as I started to look on the scene, every, all the perceptions started to lift out of my egoic judgments and discernments that were very slight and very um, um, very gentle, but they were still there and, and were kind of anchoring everything into its old familiar way of looking at the world. And suddenly starting to look at the same scene through the lens of the Holy Spirit and seeing that there was one purpose, and that was the return to God and wholeness. And as as the moments passed, the scene became transformed into that everybody was exactly where they needed to be in, in, what, in whatever condition they were in. It was all loving and perfect. So when some of these scenes play out in, in, in you know, on this stage, there's something else going on that I, I cannot judge. I don't see all, you know, all, all the, the, the elements of how the soul is learning things because I really believe the soul comes in with certain purposes to, you know, and for certain experiences. And even on this, uh, a stage where something like the innocence of children in war-torn scenes um, it, uh, I remember a share in one of our Course in Miracles groups where somebody brought up the point about the soul 
agrees to come in and, and uh, play out these seemingly horrific, unjust, unjust uh, uh, experiences to shift the consciousness, uh, the collective consciousness of the world. And so, so even little children are, are these ancient souls coming in to play out these scenes that that would that God can start to awaken here and in awareness you know through us and um again it it just points to that beautiful fact that we don't we don't know how to judge here because we don't understand what's going on uh and these two sections do weave together in a powerful way um anyway i think I think that's it, and I just want to um uh, express my appreciation that Charles that you're here and welcome nice to have you thank you I'm done I'm blessed to be here with you thank you thank you thanks Micah thank you Micah thanks thank Micah thank you Micah thank you Micah, um, thank you, Micah. I really enjoyed it. and I'm glad to have Charles here too <laughs> Thank you. This, this is Donna, and the quality of honest from 10-2 and our today's reading, and Fran's speaking the words of this lesson, 348, and uh, the other words that she spoke, just um, for me, highlights my own walk. And in the lesson, it says, for you surround me. And I thought, oh, that being surrounds me. That's what I'm in. And it came to me like that that we live and move and have our being in being and that I am one with being. And then the last sentence, your grace suffices me. And I noticed the word proceed and I thought, ah, all our problems are really perceptions. And, and perceptions do what? They create problems. So it came, so when I saw this, your grace suffices me. I'm reminded that in every, cri- in every crisis, God's grace is sufficient for me and that I can rest in this truth. I am complete. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Donna. Thank you, Donna. Thank you, Donna. Thank you. Thank you, Donna. It sort of reminds me of uh, being a vibrational being and when we surround ourselves in the presence of God's love and light, the signals we send forth, we don't really comprehend the effects they have on the environment we're in. And the more sensitive we become, more realization we feel the connections with those we're with. And I really feel that we do affect the environment we're in. 
as we practice choosing for God's light and God's love and on a daily and uh, devotional way and that all are deserved for miracles and by being miracle ready the signals are received by those around us even if they're not present I can testify that with my daughter and my family and those who have been close to me so with that I give thanks Amen Oh, thank you, Charles. Thank you, Charles. Oh, lovely, Charles. Thank you. Amen. Good morning. This is Sandra. And Mike, I I love the paragraph you referred to, and I think in uh, in uh, what is a miracle, and I think this. In in paragraph four of the text, um, I think this aligns with with that paragraph. Peace is impossible to those who look on war. Peace is inevitable to those who offer peace. And so, as people have mentioned, this is a perception situation. And as soon as I perceive something other than peace, and and I make a and instead of bringing it to my Holy Spirit, to my higher mind, I, I choose to make a judgment out of it because I was taught that judgments would keep me safe. A complete backwards, upside down uh, teaching. <laughs> you know, God will keep me safe and my, my relationship with God and using God's perception or the Holy Spirit's perception instead of my faulty perception will keep me safe and it'll give me peace and and it's it's like the the war happens in my mind through my judgments i create war every day every time i start judging and and so and and if if that's what i'm doing then that's what i'm extending so if i if i use the holy spirit and use the word of god instead of holding on and wanting to be right about my judgment and it's a choice as Charles said um, I can I can see peace instead of this I can have peace I can extend peace and then the world is peaceful to me and that's my experience I'm complete that's beautiful Sandra Thank you. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, Sandra. Thanks, Sandra. This is Wendy. Um, I wanted to share a little story that we heard uh, coming from the metapsychiatry uh, consciousness or ideas that uh, Donna kind of turned us on to. Bryce got really interested in reading Beyond the Dream by Thomas Hora, I think his name is. Or I know it's right. Anyway, he told this beautiful story about, he's a psychiatrist, so a woman comes into his practice complaining bitterly about the fact that her husband has a job that takes him 
to conferences and she tags along, but she doesn't know anybody. She sits alone at the table. He's out, you know, being a gadfly and she really is filled with resentment. And um, let's see, she had a symptom. I can't quite remember what the symptom was now. Anyway, she had a physical symptom. And so the doctor says to her, um, have you ever been to a garden? And she goes, yeah, I've been to a garden. And he says, did you notice the flowers and how beautiful they are? And she said, yes, of course I noticed the flowers and their beauty. And he said, did they notice you? And she thought for a second and she went, I'm not aware of them noticing me. And he goes, well, maybe you could go to those conferences and just believe you're in a garden and recognize the beauty of all the people around you, even if they're not paying attention to you. It doesn't mean anything beyond you have an opportunity to experience beauty. And it transforms. She, she substituted that, those ideas. Gratitude was a big, is a big part of what he recommends for shifting. Be grateful for these people. Be grateful to see their beauty. And the next time she went to a conference with her husband, she said it was just this miraculous difference. And her husband suddenly became, come on, honey, let me introduce you to some people, where before he'd been ignoring it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just such a simple, beautiful metaphor for shifting from resentment to gratitude. I'm complete. I love it. I love it. Thank you, Wendy. Thanks. Oh, that was good. Thank you, Wendy. Thank you. Thanks, <laughs> Did they know you were there? I love it. Oh, thank you. Now they do. Now they do. Hold on. <laughs> How many times I've walked in a garden and enjoyed the fragrance of the garden, not realizing that. Oh, thank you, Wendy. Oh. Wow. So Patricia just has to jump in because you've got the garden and and the Christ going. And what happens here when they know that that you are there, the roses are still blooming and they're budding brand new ones. Things wow. like tomatoes do not believe what the weather says that freezes have been passing by they tell me these things you know i learned to walk barefoot out there to to feel Mm. that that surrender and so they tell me hey you know the cold that heats up the bones well when we know you're there we're going to keep being tomatoes right on through the new year. And I think they will. And nowadays I'm even taking photographs. I won't show them, but I'll tell you guys where it's safe. Mm. When they know you're there, hold on, hold on. It's amazing. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. That's so lovely, Patricia. 
Thank you. Yes, mm. thank you. Thank you, Patricia. Welcome back. You just didn't know I've always been here. <laughs> Good point. Where's the company that walks with us? Well, I know we, I know we don't usually do this, but uh feeling the call to ask Robin Marie do you have anything you'd like to share before you go to work <laughs> no I've just been uh, I mean sure <laughs> thank you <clears throat> thank you so much I, I just got my COVID booster yesterday so I'm going off to work and I'm going to ignore my body and and love those little children and um, oh and not resent my boss, who's been uh, over-managing, shall I say. But I'm going to, you know, just see her as Christ. I, I appreciate you guys. <laughs> Thank you so much. Have a great day. Much love to you. Oh, Thank blessings. You. Thank you. Yeah, blessings, you Blessings, Robert Marie. You're here. Thank you. Hey, this is Lemoyne. I've, uh, I just keep getting all these, all these bright flashes, as it were. And one thing I, I want to share is a, a piece of graffiti that was, was painted on the sidewalk, and it, it had the look of like you know the rough woodcut, sort of a little bit blocky, and it showed this sort of industrial city scene with an airplane flying over it dropping bombs. On, I think one side was just given over to this huge explosion. And, uh, like, a, you know, the mushroom cloud. And across the top it said, World War III, W-W-I-I-I, <laughs> is being fought in your mind. World War III is being fought in your mind. And uh, I thought, man, that's right. <laughs> it, it's just become my favorite piece of graffiti you know a lot of people looking for what they call the apocalypse which is they really mean Armageddon and really it's the lifting of the veil that you know the struggle is really 
truly within. And, uh, you know, that's, I think that's why I, uh, this, these two sections can serve as a summary for the course, motivation to restore peace and, who's, uh, um, and the method is to reestablish our identity as the thought of God that appears in the last paragraph. Excuse me? Then am I breaking up, Lauren? Yes, you were breaking up just a bit, hon. Just a bit. Yeah, I think I burped in the middle of that. <laughs> okay. But, you know, peace now belongs here because a thought of God has entered. And that, you know, the answer to something like the, what Micah brought up, uh, the almost appearing almost random act of violence, right? I think that the section would say, well, you know, for that to happen, for somebody to do that, fear and judgment is already there. And to react to it with fear and judgment is to multiply the error. And that, you know, the the method that's called for here is to recognize I believe, to recognize that peace is our birthright and to claim that and to hold that and extend that to that entire situation. This is the way that healing goes out rather than just simply a multiplication of fear through judgment. And... You know, it really is every moment this, this uh, it is a question that's raised in different ways in the text towards the end here in the text in 29 you know, to, to look at these seemingly difficult situations I think the instruction to overlook the suffering is not to ignore it but to look beyond it. But the place to look is actually within, right? The seek not outside yourself. For all your pain comes simply for a, from a futile search. All your pain comes simply from a futile search for what you want, insisting where it must be found. What if it is not there? Do you prefer that you be right or happy? Be glad you are told where happiness abides and seek no longer elsewhere. You will fail. But it is given you to know the truth and not to seek for it outside yourself. And so this thing is like confronted with a world that seems to call for judgment to just to recognize that it's like, this is a product of me trying to be right when I didn't know anything because I was separate and alone. And to not reach really beyond it or through it, but to, you know, get that wisdom that you can relinquish that, find the peace and extend that 
said that this is this is what we're called for and uh, called to do as the Savior's vision. Yeah. That uh, let not the world's light given unto you be hidden from the world. It needs the light, for it is dark indeed, and men despair because the Savior's vision is withheld, and what they see is death. Their Savior stands, unknowing and unknown, beholding them with eyes unopened, and they cannot see until he looks on them with seeing eyes and offers them forgiveness with his own. And you to whom God says, Release my son. Be tempted not to listen when you learn that it is you for whom he asks relief. And what but this is what this course would teach. And what but this is there for you to learn. That uh, goes back to the point I tried to make before that you know, what we need to learn is what there is to unlearn. And it is this pattern of judgment which builds the fearful world out of judgment and requires more judgment to survive within. But all that does is maintain it. So, you know, the question is, choose once again if you would take your place among the saviors of the world or would remain in hell and hold your brothers there. For he has come, and he is a king of And you know, the reward for the relinquishment of judgment is peace. And uh, that's a real foundation for happiness. I'm complete. Oh, yes, you are. That was phenomenal. Yeah. Yes, you Thank are. You. Thanks, Lemoyne. Oh, thank you, Lemoyne. Wonderful. This this is Micah, real quick. The um, thank you, Lemoyne. You kind of took me on a nice walk, and I started, you know, because you brought up the aspect of the, you know, the the difficult scenes that we're presented with in this world sometimes, like that shooting I referred to, and and then. Um, at, during your share, I, re- I thought of, oh, yes, forgiveness. I hadn't really thought of, you know, forgiveness in the formula yet this morning. And so, and then the next step was, you don't, you don't make it real and forgive it. And then I go, oh, yeah, I, this is the next key, is it's not real what we're seeing. And, you know, it's a dream. It's a projection of consciousness into a time, a, a created time-space dimension of a mind acting out these things. And um, it, and then it brought me to this quote here, you know, what if you recognize the world is an hallucination? What if you really understood you made it up? What if you realize that those who seem to walk about in it to sin and die, attack and murder and destroy themselves are wholly unreal. So it was quite, uh, your share kind of just created this whole, you know, progression of insight. So thanks. Thank you, Micah. Thank you, Micah.
Thank you, Michael. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you, Michael. Hi, it's I'm Lana. I'm just wondering oh. if I... Oh. oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Rana. Go ahead, Rana. <laughs> okay. Um, I was... I, I, I think I might have shared this before, so for anybody that's heard it before, sorry. <laughs> but, um, when I first started the course, this was way back in late 70s, early 80s, and um, I was led to, one of the ways I was led to it was by a book by Hugh Prather, um, The Quiet Answer, and and it had spiritual games in it, um, kind of based around the workbook lessons. And um, because I was, I didn't know anything about the course at the time, other than uh, I kept reading praises about it, um, but anyway, the game was um, to give everyone and everything for just one day permission to be what it is, you know, what it was being. You know, the weather, the, the weather I gave permission to, the traffic, you know, on my way to work I gave permission to. If my boss wanted to be a grump that day, that was okay. If my child wanted to misbehave, I was just giving everything permission to be what it is and and what was so amazing to me because that was the first time um the end of the, oh the, the game says at the end of the day report back so at the end of the day i could not remember any day that i had that was so peaceful and this was such a remarkable uh, discovery for me at that time, you know, that I had the power to construct a day in which I'd experience only peace. I had that power within me. I mean, it kind of rocked my world, <laughs> you know, to know that I was capable of, of doing that, that a day of non-judgment and allowing things to be what they were um, would end up... Um, not me doing the world a favor, just letting the world be what it is, but it freed me of anxiety and upset and and everything. And and I um, so that was the one thing. The other thing, um, uh, what you shared, Lemoyne, um, is getting. You know, we. I know for me, I can confuse cause and effect a lot, and so a lot of times that's the first thing I notice when I'm thinking or dwelling on the effect of something, uh, trying to fix a situation or understand something that's happening um, or suffering by uh, thinking about how I'm suffering because of a situation. And it's only when I turn my mind and my thinking in the direction of the cause um, that any healing can happen or relief be um, accomplished. So um, I really appreciated, um, you know, what that part of what you shared, Lemoyne, because I think for all of us, we get tangled up in the effects of our thinking <laughs> rather than um, going to the cause and actually having it undone. So and and solutions they just show up in amazing ways, unimagined ways because. They're not coming from the ego thought system. Obviously, that's where 
when we're trying to fix effects, that's where the mind goes into the thought system that created the problem to begin with. So it's pretty useless. But when I bring it back to the cause and remember who I am and what the truth is, then the problem seems to either become meaningless to me or some solution shows up, um, you know, not from my thought system of the ego, but from the infinite mind of God that I tap into when I give up control of, um, of any thinking that I as an ego can solve a problem that the ego made up to begin with. So anyhow, um, that's all I wanted to share. Thank you for listening. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, Lana. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thank you, guys. I'd like to uh, share with you the, the, the reason I'm here today. Um, I discovered a book online, and the book was called The Bridge. I don't know if any of you are aware of The Bridge, but it's a book. I'm just pulling up the, the about page. It's called The Bridge Exploring the Connections Between a Course in Miracles and a Course of Love. And it's a short book written by those who are students of Course of Miracles and Course of Love. And the, the how the two books work together. And what I realized by reading the book, that the Course of Love deals a lot with the heart connection. But I have battles in my mind. And these battles are in control of my attention. And I realized the course of miracles is that which deals with the mind. I understand the connection between the heart and the mind and how the mind sinks into the heart. But while World War III is going in my mind uh, through battles I'm having upstairs, and then when you read the lesson this morning, it's like, yeah, that makes perfectly perfect sense to, to really find ways of dealing with the inner conflict within the mind and find rest for the mind so the mind can then force sink into the heart. And it's like these two courses work so beautifully hand in hand that it's, I decide, you know, I really need to go back. And like I bought the Course of Miracles this morning again on my Kindle. You know, I've, I I did the course back in 1991. And I did it up to lesson, let all, let peace be to my mind, let all thoughts but God's be still. I think that was the final lesson I did before I put the book down. And... I guess the battle in my mind was too strong or too con or the argument was too convincing uh, for me to keep going. And now I feel I'm ready to work back on the mind again. And I feel with this group and the sharing, 
uh, what a beautiful catalyst for, for the help that I feel in this sharing I can receive from in order to listen to the sharings that you guys share of how you deal uh, with the, the with the discipline of the mind so that the mind can therefore rest, find rest, and lead with the heart. So I thank you for being here, and I thank you for your sharing. And um, it sort of gave me new life for the Course of Miracles that wasn't there before. I guess my mind was struggling with the idea of how can I have peace of mind when I'm struggling with everything outside of me. But I think realizing mind connecting the heart really needs to to have the mind find ways of finding rest so they can sink into the heart. So today was a perfect example for me of how that is so. So that's what brought me to the group today, (laughs) the book. And I love the title called The Bridge. Um, The bridging of the mind and the heart, I feel. So with that, I give thanks, and I give thanks to you and for your listening. Thank you. Thank you, Charles. Thank you, Charles. I've read that book. In fact, um, Lee Flynn, who um, used to be one of the facilitators here, participated in the writing of that book with Glenn and and others. Um, And many of us are big fans of A Course of Love here. So thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. Well, I love The Course of Love. But it's regaining The Course of Love. It's regaining my love for The Course of Miracles again where I put the book down and decided to leave it alone because I guess the battles were getting really strong in my head. And uh, I had a hard time um, really, it was more intellectualizing than it was experiential. But now it seems to be more experiential for me, so... And I think it's because of the community and because of the sharing that helps. Before it was, I read the book on my own. I did the lessons on my own. And if there was a group available, because Zoom wasn't possible back then, and no one was really doing it online, and there's really no real community on an ongoing basis. Oh. Things have changed. Uh, this world is changing, and I'm loving it. You know, I'm loving what's coming up. I'm loving what's ahead. Even though there's World War Three looming ahead, there's also a great awakening as well. The greater the struggle, the greater the joy. You know, it's like giving birth. It's that that last moment before the birth is happens. Anyways, I'm complete. Thank you. Thank you, Charles. Thank you. Charles, that was so meaningful to me. This is Roz, and uh, we combined those two 
the heart and the mind together seems like the most important thing we can do this time. This time. To see it not only in our minds but through our hearts. In Buddhism, the mind is in the heart. <laughs> it's kind of interesting. But thanks for sharing that. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Roz. Yes, thank you, Roz. Yeah, thank you, Thank Roz. you. Thank you for listening. Thanks for bringing up um, Course of Love and, and the bridge, Charles. Those 63 little pages are so beautiful. Oh, this story. And um, my experience is like yours. Um, I, you know, my story is, is uh, this story, and my story is that um, atonement was an accidental happening uh, to me. Not accidental in God's mind, no, but um, having come to the end of my own uh, resources, I just threw myself into the arms. And for a long time, I, I didn't understand. Um, I didn't understand what happened. And so I sought out all the world's great perennial literature looking for what is this experience and um, and found the Course of Miracles again um, by a happy synchronous event and, and I love it so much because it describes um, it describes everything that God intends for us and transmits from his mind to ours via the holy instant that ineffable indescribable um arrival of what is truth the fullness of what he's talking about in paragraph two of today's reading uh, there is only one judgment god's son is guiltless and sin does not exist translating that experience uh, to everyday um, events is the work of a lifetime and so course of love uh, starts out at the very beginning you are the accomplished and it is true first pass through with course of miracles it seems as though I need to learn something but Lauren you said it perfectly when you said uh, course of miracles is leading me to unlearn and arrive at beginner's mind where I don't know anything and I have an entirely uh, free and open mind for truth uh, today um, what I'm really really getting down on is the fact that these two sections together um, and, and you nailed it Lemoyne uh, these two sections together are why means an end are one 
these two sections together are why cause and effect is one. And these two sections together are why giving and receiving are one in truth. All complexity, all complexity, difficulty in interpretation, which is perception, all of it is a consequence of error. Mine's error, my error, my mistaken belief in what the world is, what I am, and what God is. When I accept atonement for myself, those that little string of words, you know, seem like words, but in point of fact, um, in point of fact, is so simple. Just like today's lesson is so simple. Surrounded by the love of God, what need have I for anger or fear or judgment? Um, the prayer in today's lesson is an expression of the heart, an expression of wholeheartedness that is nothing more complicated than I accept atonement for myself, God's judgment, God's son is guiltless and sin does not exist. All my troubles, all my suffering, just like he says in paragraph 6, all the pain, all the loneliness, all the loss, all the hopelessness, all the despair, all the fear of death, all of it was a consequence of um, my erroneous judgments. And when I allow my mind to be corrected, I have accepted the purpose of this world is to find my sinlessness. I need not find it. It's part of my creation. It's what I am. I had uh, taught myself wrongly. And my teacher tells me the truth of me. The Holy Spirit wants nothing more than for me to accept this great grand, glorious, splendid gift, the one defense that can't ever be turned to harm, and yet is the pivot on which all truth turns. God and his creation are one and will be one forever. And when I allow myself to be home, the home of God, judgment disappears. All of it a consequence of this teeny tiny false uh, belief in what I am is gone. All of it. <laughs> now I now I can walk without care. I can accept freedom, and that's what. Um, and you you said it very beautifully, Lana. How is judgment relinquished by accepting freedom? Uh, if I want to know what freedom is, all I need to do is look at what is Christ's second coming and what is the last judgment. It is nothing more complicated than I will accept atonement for myself. And that's why means and end are one, because in that second paragraph in the peace section, what is more true, my judgment or the word of God? Peace is the consequence of giving up judgment. Means and end are one. 
I find my sinlessness and I accept God's purpose. I, who am a host to God, will allow God to relate Godness through me and to all creation. What am I? What am I but a pass-through? You know, we're all channels for healing. And that's, um, that's life. That's the purpose of this life. Of course, in love says it so beautifully in chapter 32 life is teacher and all we ever need to do is ask what would love to what would love say that calls upon the power of our source the source of all creation love it calls upon the wisdom of the heart which is Christ and it calls on the truth in our mind which is the Holy Spirit life is the teacher and love is the lesson it's so simple that's why it means an ender one judgment is relinquished and peace is a consequence I'm complete I love thank that you, Lori yeah, yeah, thank, thank you, you. Oh, yeah, beautiful, Lori. thank you Thank you, Lori. I love the the thought that we are a path through from the course of love. That's so beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, Lori, and everybody. I, this is Ida. I I didn't realize it. I forgot that, that I was muted, so I didn't know why nobody could hear me and (laughs) I was trying to share. And I remembered that I was muted on my new phone, the star six, and so that's why you didn't hear me for a long time, and uh, I'll save any other comments I have for um, after the after call. Thanks. I'm complete. Oh, good to hear you, Ida. Oh, sweet. Yes, Thank good you. to hear you. Thank you. Oh, hi, Ida. Glad we can hear you now. <laughs> oh, thanks, you guys. Well, this is um, this is Lemoyne. I thank you for centering that reality that means an end are one in the, in the accomplishment of the goal for the course, which is inner peace. That means is to recognize that, and that the end. Is that these these are these are one and the same, and uh, 
you know, I, I see the equivalent between the heart. I just want to say to you, Charles, that, and to anyone, that, this, that I've said this before, that this is sort of my path, that I spent time with Course in Miracles, but I reached some point at which I thought, well, beyond there, that's for people who are perfect, and I'm not perfect. I don't get to go there. I can't get it. I see it, but I can't get it. And that, you know, the Course of Love, to focus on the heart, the heart of our being, it is, a, it is where the source is. In Course in Miracles, I believe this is the altar, the thought of God, you know, in, in those two concepts, that that is the heart, that is the center of our being. And so, yeah, the Course in Miracles, begin to correct the mind, course of love to open the heart and then the course of miracles lands very differently you know and then start to notice things like we're not called the master fear um, you know and the mastery of fear it disappears through the means and end accepting that the means and ends are one it disappears you know. so it's not mastery in the sense of the world world or the way we think of mastery. It's done through acceptance and relinquishment of, of error. And that's it. And it disappears. So, um, in that recognition that means and end are one in us, in our being. And so I'm complete there. And Laurie, I wonder if you have a close. Thank you. on today and um, all her life uh, Juliana Norwich sat in a tiny little cell to a to a church everything that she learned from Holy Spirit and it could be all shall be well all shall be well and all manner of things shall be well for there is a force of love moving through the universe that holds us fast and will never let us go. Amen. 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 Thank Amen. you, Lori. Thanks, everybody. Amen. Thank you, Lori. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, everybody. Totally. Thank you, everyone. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. And a new friend. Great. Mm -hmm.